So they realize that very deeply within your souls where you and I have the same spark. Sure. See with those eyes, you get the oneness. Forgiveness really all that important? How do you deal with failure? What are some new tools I can use to live a life of complete freedom? These are some of the questions we'll be asking in every episode of See One Beautiful Soul. Hey there, and welcome back to See One Beautiful Soul. I am Barbara Heller, and this is part B of my chat with Azim Kamisa. Now, just for this month, I am offering free tastes of my workshop, Find Creative Clarity, and you can easily sign up for one of those if you go to barbheller.com and look up Find Creative Clarity, or you can just email me at info at barbheller.com and say, hey, I'd like to join one of your workshops. And I'll let you know the schedule of the free dates and times, but you can always sign up ongoingly for the Find Creative Clarity workshop by just going to barbheller.com and again, looking up Find Creative Clarity and signing up. Also, if you haven't looked up my book yet on Amazon, please do. It's called, And Then One Day the World Coughed. It is a way of dealing with the trauma, both currently and post, God willing, someday really soon, COVID slash Corona. It's not really a book. It's made to be a discussion piece between family members or family members. If you have a friend that you feel like is family, it's something you can read together and talk to each other about and really glean things that we are learning currently and also post, again, post very soon, Corona and the COVID pandemic. Okay, now for today's episode, it is a part two, a part B, if you will, of my talk with Azim Kamisa. Again, I am so thrilled that he is here and he is starting off my podcast because he represents exactly what the whole podcast is about. We've gotten so many beautiful responses since the first one. And what I'm realizing is that there are a lot of people that are silently suffering from I really want to talk to this person, but I haven't talked to them in a long time because I just can't forgive them. Or I can forgive them and I want to forgive them, but I just really don't know how. And these episodes are really helping me sort of see a path or see a light for creating more forgiveness, more authenticity in my relationships. And it's making me cry, you guys, like from my heart. It's something that I always wanted to bring out on the air. And so I just want to thank you for tuning in and making forgiveness important, making opening your heart important and taking time to learn tools to live a life of more freedom, hopefully allowing all of us to create and foster better relationships between each other, within ourselves, between us and the divine, and just allowing for there to be just more love all around. If you didn't hear part A of this episode, please go back and listen to it because I think you will feel a little bit lost. You got to hear Azim's story. It's incredible. And just the way he moves through the world and what he's done with his life and how much sparkle he brings to every single day, every single conversation he has. It's really astounding and inspiring. And I am quite certain that you will find part B equally as inspiring. You spoke so beautifully. So it was like, I didn't even have questions for you because everything (laughs) I have, I have so many questions, but it's, it's been more of like a paddling of back and forth, like a tennis match of, of light here. But what do you think in all of your experiences in the past 25 years, your life changes? 
have you seen a progression, either good or bad, in what the world really needs right now? And what was it and what is it now? I think part of our problems right now is we've become a very divisive society. And I think we have uh, bad leadership. My fifth book called Leadership for the Greater Good, and the subtitle is A Guide for Truth to Power Champions. Because you don't hear much truth anymore. It's fake news and spins and innuendos and lies. The internet has connected the world, but it's also become very dark. And the dark web. There you go. Yeah, and there is a threat to democracy now. Democracy is about me disagreeing with you and debating so we can get to the best solution that is a win-win. Today, if you're not with me, you are against me. So this whole area has become extremely polarized and it's very scary. I know we have an election coming and I wanted to get more people to go out and vote. And one of the reasons I wrote this book was, first of all, to I dedicated it to my mom, who passed her three years ago. Uh, she was a rock in my life. I thought I would do well having lost Tariq. And then 10 years ago, I lost my father. Uh, and then three years ago, I lost my mom. And I still haven't recovered because I didn't depend on Tariq or my father. They depended more on me. But I did depend on my mom. So I feel like I've lost my foundation there. And she's one of the chapters in the book. So the basic premise of the book is that we need a different leadership model today. Most leadership models, you know, you get a BA and an MA and a PhD, you become more and more educated in your own field. We need leaders that have competencies in three areas. Sure, they need competency in the field of endeavor because we want them to be leaders. But besides that, it's because they are leaders that they need to take on societal ills, which exist in every community, and create viable, impactful, and affordable solutions, much like I have done with youth violence. And thirdly, they need to role model, espouse, and teach strong ethical, moral, and spiritual values. And you say, well, how many leaders come to mind that have these three competencies, they try the competencies, that they're brilliant at their field, that they've taken on and solved societal ills, and they are a good example and role models of truth, of ethical and moral and spiritual values. Well, fortunately, there are a few, and I've been very lucky to meet a few. So I picked about a dozen. Some of them are my role models, and they come from all cultures, people from Japan, from India, from Palestine. I've got a guy there who's known as the Gandhi of Palestine. These are not famous people like Mandela and Tutu. These are people people probably don't know them all. And Jewish, Eli Weisel is one of my guys. They are Christians, they are Jews, because I wanted to show that these competencies don't exist in any in the different genders. They don't exist in gender, religion, or nationalities. They Mm -hmm. exist in all parts of the world. It's a great book. And I believe that as we come to the elections, we need to look and see who do we want to represent us in, uh, in government. We don't have leaders for the greater good. We don't have leaders that have this tried or competencies anywhere. Higher institutions, corporations, non- even non-profits tend yeah. to be corrupt. Government. So we want to make sure that we bring these qualities back because these kind of leaders will create a world that is inclusive, that is kind, that is generous, that is in service of others. 
and that can promote empathy and compassion and forgiveness and peace building and, and love because you're not going to get up one morning and find we're at peace. You all have to proactively work at So, So that is important. And fortunately, they do exist. Unfortunately, we don't have enough of them, not have enough of them in the right places. The only thing I would add to that is I hope when you say leadership, you're also including parents. Yes. Because well, my mother is uh, one of the chapters. And I said that uh, parenting is leadership. Parenting, probably the toughest job on the planet. <laughs> 100%. As a parent, I know that. It's tougher than any other job on the planet. 100%. But I feel like nowadays we've really lost. I hear a lot of people say, and this is not an attack on you, God forbid, everything you just said is 100% true. And at the same time, we put a lot of emphasis on the president of the United States, prime ministers, and this person that we just elected for Senate or Congress. And yet, what are the parents of Sandy Hook doing right now? Where was the mother of the boy who was autistic that went on a rampage just 40 minutes from here and, you know, shot and killed so many? So it just really bothers me that everyone's blaming presidents and yet every single day, children hopefully are seeing at least their parents for five minutes. So how are you using that five minutes? Are you on your phone the whole time? Are you out there making money? Are you figuring out the right education? You know, a lot of parents also blame teachers and some teachers are horribly corrupt and are abusing their power for sure. But at the end of the day, you brought the next generation into this world. How are you taking responsibility for yourself to lead. I hear people say all the time, you know, this, these kids today, oh, it's just, they have no respect for elders. Mm-hmm. And I look right back at my friends who are my age, you know, having such a hard time with their kids. And I'm like, when was the last time in front of your own children, you respected grandma and grandpa? Mm-hmm. When was the last time you said, let's go see my parents. I can't wait. I miss them so much. You're like, oh, you roll your eyes and you say, we have to get in the car. Let's go see grandma and grandpa. Absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, we have a safe school model at several programs. Uh, we have a live assembly. We have curriculum where we teach these important values of how do you take conflict and resolve without violence, accountability, empathy, compassion, forgiveness, community engagement, peace building. We have three levels of it, fifth and sixth grade, seventh and eighth grade, ninth and tenth. And then we have we create a peace club on campus which is essentially a leadership program with 60 different titles or what does it take to be a good effective leader and then we have a mentoring program for the tough kids the first three programs go to the entire school but a middle school in California will have a thousand kids and between 8 and 12 percent of them are potential Tonys it's a big sure. it's just one school so with those we do mentoring and our mentoring gets 60 hours of training but we've added two more programs one we developed with Berkeley University uh, for parenting, for parents. And the other one is we have developed a program for educators. So now we are moving towards the Tariq Kamisa Foundation Institute for Peace and Forgiveness. We have programs uh, which are not 100% online, but we will be the next 12 to 18 months. Thanks to COVID, we are being pushed into that area where we will have learning management system. And we're, we're not just looking at kids anymore, we're also looking at teachers and parents. And we're using the principles of restorative practices. It's really tremendous. It's such an honor to be in front of, even if it's on Zoom, so much comes through, someone who knows their purpose and is living it. 
So thank you for your courage. Thank you for your wisdom. And your wisdom. I get it from my grandma. My, my grandmother grew up on the Lower East Side of Manhattan. In 1918, she was born, and yeah. her mother escaped Russia. And yeah. she only lived... So my grandmother, Betty Kruger, only lived with my great-grandmother, Sarah, for 15 years. At 15, she, my great-grandmother had a heart attack at 49 years old, and, mm-hmm. and Lily no, died in the hospital. They didn't have the technology. She had a, a terrible heart attack. My grandmother got a knock at the door at 3 a.m. from a telegram, can you imagine, saying, your mother's dead. And the guy walks away. And she said, I learned more in that 15 years about compassion and forgiveness than I needed to learn about anything at school. And so she took that 15 years of unconditional love. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was born when she was probably 60 and I got to be around her for 39 years. And, you know, she passed away years ago and I miss her every day, but she didn't have a college degree she didn't even graduate high school. She got her GED when she was 75. Right. But she taught compassion, and yeah. I learned from her. So that's it. It's all about her. Yeah, it, uh, it comes through. She's with you. I can feel her. Yeah, she's with you. Oh. My mom was a big influence. She was very spiritual. My dad was a businessman. I grew up with equal emphasis on my career and my spiritual life. And that's been a really big thing. You need both. I mean, a lot of these kids yeah. would not be in the dire situation that they, they are in if they had basic needs met. How do you say namaste in Sanskrit? Namaste is Sanskrit. It's actually a prayer. What it really means is I honor the place in you in which the entire universe dwells. I honor the place in you that is of love, that is of truth, that is of beauty, and that is of peace. When you are in that place in you, and I am in that place in me, we are one. It's a beautiful prayer. I use it a lot in my talk. Guys, I've given another 600 plus keynotes to adults, besides a thousand programs. When I talk to uh, spiritual crowds, I normally, you know, start with the Namaste prayer. And I often want people to get that you and I are one. There's a great quote from Rumi, which says that children of Adam and Eve are like the fingers of one hand. When you cause pain, to one finger and you don't think you are affecting the other fingers, you don't deserve to be called human. So whatever harm I do to you, I do to myself. It's basically the concept of our oneness. And so I often will tell them that after I talk about the Namaste prayer, it's just, okay, I am going to talk to you from that place in me, we are one. Mm. And I invite you to listen to me from that place in you where we are also one. Yes. And that is a different kind of a listening yeah. than the, the listening that we are typically used to. So, and this message is very much about the heart and love and all the things you and I have talked about, but the oneness of uh, our spirit. Because, you know, when I met Tony, I looked in his eyes, which the first time he was 20 years, he was 19 years old. So I met him 20 years ago, and I remember we spent an hour and a half together. I'm looking in his eyes trying to find a murderer. And I didn't. I was able to climb through his eyes and touch his humanity that I got the spark in him was no different than the spark in me or you or anybody else who is listening to this to this podcast. I wasn't expecting that. I mean, there was this connection that I felt the oneness because we all came from the same spark. Sure. And that was five years 
after he murdered Five years after the tragedy, yeah. It took me a long time to go eyeball to eyeball with him. Hard to do. But, but yet you forgave him in the instant that it happened. Yeah, but it was the right thing to do. In I fact, this book uh, about the secrets of the bulletproof spirit, there's a chapter in there called Realize with Real Eyes. Too much judgment here. Yeah. So the real eyes are buried deeply within your souls where you and I have the same spark. Sure. See with those eyes, you get the oneness. In Hebrew, we say teshuvah. You can always return back to that oneness. We can get so far away and so bogged down in the mundane or when we do something wrong and make a really bad choice. But to forgive yourself is really actually just seeing, no, no, I'm still part of the same spark. I'm alive at any minute. I can connect to that part that Tony did to himself where I didn't mean to do that. I, I had no intention at that time. I was stripped of it. I wasn't thinking like in my right mind, you know, whatever it is. But yeah. there's a newness I can begin again. Uh, you know, I've, in fact, I've spoken at several spiritual venues, including synagogues. And one of the ones I spoke at is Bethem, which is in Delmar, Rabbi Zuckerman. It was a while ago. I spoke to the men's group on a Saturday morning, and Rabbi Zuckerman is quite famous. He did the eulogy for Dustin Hoffman's father when he passed mm-hmm. away. And then he was so moved with my presentation, he invited me into his chambers. I know there's a different word for the rabbi's office. And we spent two hours together. And then I could talk to you forever. I, I could talk so, to you forever. I honestly could. And then, <laughs> honestly. And then he gave, me the, he gave me the book on Kabbalah. And he gave it to me back then when we had cassettes. So it was a while ago. And I told him about Sufism. Although I told him, I'm laity, you are a cleric. But here's how I interpret Sufism because I practice it. And there's very little difference. Very little. Because Kabbalah is a metaphysical interpretation of Judaism. Yeah. Sufism is a metaphysical interpretation of Islam. Sure. And I find that the Jesuits or the Quakers are the metaphysical interpretation of Christianity. And when you take a Kabbalist and a Sufi and a Quaker, they have no issues. You know, the problem is the fundamentals. Yeah. The further unfortunately, away. unfortunately, most 90% of all of these faiths are fundamentalists. Yeah. I've spoken a lot in conferences, and this you'll find funny. So this one particular conference, when I spoke in Berkeley University, they had a PhD in Sufism. Normally, I go do my thing and leave, because I don't have four days to listen to all the speakers. But since I'm a Sufi, and he was he's a cleric because he's a PhD, I thought, well, I'll go listen to him. And he was quite entertaining. He said, you know, and he makes this distinction that most of, unfortunately, most of the faiths, Islam, Christianity, and Judaism are fundamentalists. The metaphysical part of it is very small. But he says, you know, the problems we have is with the fundamentalists. And he says, I always thought, I really don't get fundamental. He says, it's not much fun. It's not very mental. <laughs> So I guess the meaning must lie in the middle syllable, da. But in Hebrew, da is actually, da'at is wisdom. Is it? Okay. But, but it's in the middle. It's right in the center. You don't really need that much of it. You just need a drop of it. It's uh, right there. Yeah, and, but, and it's the part a lot of people miss because they're too busy feeding their ego and saying, no, 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 no. It has to be constricted in this way and don't let anyone touch it and don't talk to me and whatever that is. But that, yes. <laughs> but, you know, but you know, I mean, when you said die in English, I mean, do you get it? Of it's course. Fun, I know what you meant. Die, why don't you? you know, so he, he was quite funny. I thought that kind of stupid. It is funny. I didn't mean to cut off your joke. I got it. It's funny. Uh, but I think there's something deeper there, too, 
which is that the da'at, the fundamental, beautiful wisdom of something can be crushed. If you're constantly trying to protect it all the time and holding on like this, you know, there's something to be open. There's something to being shared. And shared, like you said about democracy, the fundamental belief of democracy is so beautiful because it's a conversation. It's not even an argument. It's a conversation. Right. Anyway, I could converse with you for hours. You are adorable and sweet and kind and all the things I knew you were going to be. I'm so inspired by you. I'm so humbled by you. I feel so just elated having listened to you speak. and, And again, not what you say, but even how you say it. And I really look forward to continuing the conversation. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I'd love to stay in touch. It's been a pleasure, Barbara, to meet you as well and feel your energy. <laughs> if you're ever in my neck of the woods, holler, be happy to show you around the foundation. I would love to see it. All right, my dear. Have a good rest of the evening. Enjoy your evening and we'll connect soon, I hope. Salam, namaste. Malikum salam. Bye-bye. Salam, shalom. Salam alaikum. Okay, so here are some of the takeaways we got from this episode. Politics has become very polarizing and scary. It seems to be bringing out some of the worst possible sides of each other and people are not discussing anymore or having open conversations and sharing from their heart. Instead, they seem to be sharing from ego and self-righteousness and this is the right candidate and now I can't talk to you anymore. And it's so sad. It's I have friends that are losing friends all the time because they talk politics and they want to be able to share about it. And unfortunately, it's really, really hurting people and making people do the opposite of what I'm hoping this podcast will do, which is closing off their hearts to people instead of being open to them. Now, I know it's difficult because we all really, really want to share from our heart and have other people not just agree with us, but completely appreciate everything that we're saying all the time. But unfortunately, that's not necessarily the way human beings interact. And so we have to find a new way of listening and also sharing without the heightened expectation of this person is going to think and say exactly what I want them to think and say. And when they don't and they disagree with us, politely listening deeper and trying to understand where they're coming from the way Azim would, instead of walking away and saying, well, I have nothing left to say to you or listen to from you. Amazing leaders are from all over. There's not one specific gender, religion, or nationality that makes a great leader. They exist all over the world and they might even be within you. Parents should be spending more intimate time with their children. How are you as a parent or a leader taking responsibility for your role as a leader? If you're not a parent and you have little ones in your midst or that you take care of once in a while, how are you parenting them in the moment? And please remember that the phrase little ones doesn't necessarily refer to children ages 0 to 17. We are all little ones just living inside of bigger clothing and just trying to be a little bit better today than we were yesterday. This episode was produced by Katya Soto. If you have a great story about failure, freedom, or forgiveness, please write to us. If you know somebody with a great story, please write to us about that as well. We want to hear from you. If you like what you hear, share the episode. Please subscribe, leave testimonials, leave comments. Your opinions matter. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing and for sharing these episodes. Please join us on Facebook and Instagram and check out our content at www.c1beautifulsoul.com. Thank you.
May we all choose to look for and see the light that lives in all of us in all ways, always. Thank you.